What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here for this week's By the Numbers with co-host Dan Reese. Dan, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Um, not the outcome from uh, last week's Ravens game uh, we we had hoped for, but um, we move on to the next week. Uh, so looking forward to it. Recording this at 5.04 p.m. A number of rumors are circulating. I don't know that the league has said anything official about about canceling the game between the Bills and Bengals. Have you heard anything official yet? Uh, not official, but uh, it. The most recent thing, it sounded like they were going to leaning towards canceling it. But uh, okay, 
we'll see. So and that's that is what I've seen as well. But uh, rather than speculate on this, let's just let it play out. Um, obviously, Demar Hamlin, uh, great news today in terms of him waking up, writing a note, that kind of thing. Just being at that point and asking if they won the game or not is uh, is a, a very good thing to hear, even if he's having to do it on a note because he's got a breathing tube still. So, uh, uh, yeah, fantastic news, uh, you know, so far this morning. Uh, really, really great to hear. Um, you know, still, you know, our, our thoughts are with him and his family and all those impacted by it, but, uh, but, but great news so far. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you want to start us off, Dan? Yeah, let's, let's do it. So first set of numbers, 25%, 4.7% and 0.5%. So this was, uh, an, a huge story in, in the matchup against Pittsburgh, um, 25% in what the huge story was, was the heavies that, that the Pittsburgh defense rolled out, uh, in order to stop the, the, uh, the Baltimore offense. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting was, um, I, I wasn't sure whether the, you know, it, it seemed to me that this was something new that kind of came out of the blue, but, but 25% in week 14, Pittsburgh actually ran, Three five three or four four three, so uh, very heavy packages uh, on twenty five percent of the snaps back in week fourteen. So this wasn't the first time they had shown these alignments, um, but uh, uh, but they they had actually run it a number of times since then. They've run it. They ran it uh, the four four three six times in week fourteen, seven times in week fifteen against Carolina, six times in week sixteen, but then up to uh, 26 non-penalty snaps in, in week 17. So really increased it significantly this last um, this last game. You know, that being said, prior to that, they had, Pittsburgh had only uh, run 4.43 personnel on 4.7% of the snaps. Um, uh, well, 4.7 including week 17 and 2.1% before week 17. So it was rare, but... Uh, you know, but they had in the last few weeks run it significantly more um, across the NFL. The four-four-three personnel, which is probably should have said this earlier, four down linemen, four linebackers, and and three defensive backs, um, had only been run on 157 snaps uh, across the NFL this year, which is 0.5 percent. Um, so it, it was really interesting to see them roll it out so heavy this week. Um, but looking back on it, I kind of had, I wish they were better prepared. Um, you know, seeing that they did see some of it in the, in the prior meeting with Pittsburgh and, um, and had seen Pittsburgh use it over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I think the, you know, it was interesting that Harbaugh has talked about this and you and I had a, had a big overlap in our numbers this week. So I'll, I'll hit up with just a few additional things that I had on the edge of that. You, you mentioned the personnel involved, the four down linemen, two outside linebackers, two inside linebackers and three defensive backs. That's typically a goal line formation. That is a goal line defense formation. It is a, we can't let you get this last yard formation. Defensive coordinators are often afraid to put it on the field, even on a third and one play, because of the risk that if you convert on that play, that they'll have too heavy a defense on the on the field in order to respond to whatever you know mix of run and pass you might want to run on the next down, but but more importantly, a pass uh, if if you decide to run no huddle 
and and uh, don't allow them to change. So you know this ridiculous ridiculous this over fifty percent four four three is basically I dare you to pass is what the Steelers were saying to the Ravens and uh, uh, they came out with a with a basically an all in bet on defending against the run uh, and they did it did it somewhat effectively the Ravens still ran the ball a little bit effectively in this game but they they did it very effectively in the second half when they needed to when they were catching up in the game and uh and the ravens certainly uh did not get it done during that period uh i'll just say this in 50 years of watching football this is the most extreme prevent run defense game i have ever seen i i've never seen a defense deployed like this and and i'll say that relative to the era because every time the ravens had 22 on the field and i think most of the time they had 13 on the field but it was mostly 22 the, the, the Steelers just responded immediately with this package, and and uh, I've I've never seen anything like it. I, I, in terms of how the Ravens could have responded to it, maybe we could talk a little bit about that, Dan. But they certainly could have done play action passing would have been a good way to 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 try and beat it, get those linebackers misreading their steps against the run, and then you've got only three defenders on the back end. You could have you know receivers that could be taking advantage of that, tight ends, whatever. Uh, I think the limiting factor in some ways for this game was Tyler Huntley was the quarterback and they didn't really trust him with the play action responsibilities that would have been necessary to beat this game with the pass. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that was key. You know, actually we saw it uh, and, and we talked about it a few weeks ago in week 12 versus Jacksonville. They ran um, 27 snaps with three or fewer DBs. So uh, hmm. a very similarly heavy um, a package, but the Ravens passed their way right out of it. They, uh, they passed on 41% of those 27 snaps and had an EPA per play over one on, on each of those pass plays. So they were, they made Jacksonville pay for lining up that way. And Huntley and the Ravens weren't able to make the Steelers pay for, for, um, you know, lining up that way, like exactly how you had talked about you. Most teams don't do that because of the home run potential with the mismatches. If you get to second level on the runs, even like, um, so they weren't able to make them pay for a number of reasons. And I think prime, the primary one is Huntley's limitations, I think. And some of it may be, J.K. Dobbins' home run potential on the runs as well. That was a limiting factor, I think, uh, possibly on once he got to the second, third level, maybe not being as home run. Limited home run potential. Yeah. Yeah. Limited home run. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah, so. I, that, that's a good point. But the Jacksonville game, of course, they still had Lamar Jackson. That was the last exactly. game with Lamar. Yep. And the first game was the next week that Huntley entered for Lamar. So, uh, yep. uh, yeah, I think I think you found the, found the spot there. <laughs> yep. All right, let's see. So I responded to yours. Let's go with my first one is 54% and 7%. So prior to the game, the Steelers had succeeded, sorry, the Ravens had succeeded on 54% of screen passes by positive EV. That was tied for Detroit with the second best rate in the NFL. Now, I don't know about you, Dan, but I don't think of this as being a successful screen team. You know, we've seen that we've seen the things occasionally show up on Twitter, but it's it is mostly i believe on wide receiver screens that they're getting this they also run fewer screens than other teams about seven percent 
of offensive snaps or screen. That's the sixth least of any team. And the average NFL team runs about 11% at a screen. So Ravens are about two thirds of the normal team in terms of how often they run a screen. Um, and and it's important to note that we're, we're, we're categorizing these plays, that 54% is categorizing each play as a success or a failure based on having positive EV or not. And there's various levels of success. Obviously, you can you can you have anything from a six yard gain, which would probably be a success on a lot of downs up to a, you know, a, a 94 yard screen pass that goes all the way for a touchdown. Um, so, so you really you, this doesn't get at the average yards very effectively. But it it does get at the percentage of successes, and that's something a that Ravens offense, you know, being very first down, uh, driving dependent, is is uh, is significantly in search of. Uh, but uh, you know, against the Steelers, then they pulled out the screen pass at a very bad time, a middle screen to likely that ended up being dropped, but uh, but could have provided the Ravens potentially with the yardage to get Justin Tucker in field goal range. Uh, so unfortunately, the the, the screen kind of let him down. But I think it's it's fascinating that this is so contrary to what we think we see in terms of the Ravens' screen success. Yeah, and that it, that number is definitely surprising, and it, it could definitely be past experience bias <laughs> because I don't, I can't imagine they they've had that high of success uh, in, in past years because I I don't recall it being very productive but you know they, they certainly should be they've got some uh key components you know they've got some uh tyler lindenbaum should be huge in this yep. in the screen game so i think that that's a, a promising thing to to look for going forward um you know i think being able to split out those tight ends out wide with likely and, and andrews that those are some uh, good guys to have out there with the uh, ability to block um no, so, so I, th- I think you know they they should have the potential, but it it, it is very surprising to me that it is that high. So that is definitely that is shocking to shocking to hear. So, um, all right, uh, my next numbers are ninety three percent and three. Uh, so this kind of goes back a little bit to what we were talking about before with what they could have done differently. Um, Isaiah likely was in on, on 15 snaps this week, 14 out of 15 were, were pass plays, 93%. Uh, one run play was in the fourth quarter for four yards. The expected pass probability for these 15 plays was 86%. Um, for, for, Explain that, yeah. uh, yep. X pass. Yeah, so that's a it's a, a calculation that's done based off of the the, the yards to go and the field, um, the the location on the field and, and the number of yards to go in the down, uh, what the probability based on historical rates has been um, passing or running in that situation. So and it's um, league wide, not team considerations, or do you correct, know? Correct. Correct. Yep. Just league wide, uh, based off of you know historical historical data. So um, you know so. Basically, eighty-six percent. He was in only on third and longs for those fifteen plays. He, um, that's basically what he was in on. Fourteen um, percent. Um, he was in on in on only three out of the twenty-one plays with the the expected pass probability between thirty-three percent and sixty-seven percent. So, what I would consider expected neutral pass plays. You know, mm-hmm. um, kind of the the 
middle one third there. So the Ravens had 21 plays uh, with that scenario where, where they were kind of neutral plays. He was only in on three of those, um, which, which is disappointing to me because he was kind of a weapon where you could pass or have him pass or block or receive or block. And to have him not on the field in those situations where you got to have the defense guessing, um, you're really kind of losing that, that dynamic weapon. Um, you know, I think they were, they had Oliver in there a lot, but I just don't think he's as, um, as dangerous of a passing weapon and they really only put likely in there um, on on basically pass downs instead of uh, you know eleven personnel. They went to uh, you know two tight ends and, and two wide receivers. So I just wish they had used likely more in these neutral situations in order to kind of keep the keep the defense on their on their heels and make them pay for for the aggressive formations we talked about earlier. That, that makes all kinds of sense. I mean, just all kinds of sense. And I think they do look at Oliver that way in terms of being the better blocker. Likely, you know, one of the really nice things to see from him in terms of growth this year had been some of the good blocking he'd done during the season, some of the assimilation, because he had a very rough start as a blocker. Holding penalties, bad preseason, good good preseason catching the ball, bad preseason blocking. Um, and, and he didn't look that good to begin the season either, but then he really picked it up. And I thought they would use him more in those situations for exactly this kind of reason. You want to have multiple threats. You're showing the defense, even when your your objective is to run the ball. Oliver also had shown some things as a receiver, but he's clearly not the threat that likely is. And uh, I, I hope that's something that they they change pretty quickly here to, to, to kind of reestablish the norms between likely and Oliver's snaps. And I will say this, that, you know, a lot was made early in the season over the notion that you're, you, you, you have a tendency or a tell when you put likely on the field, it really does go the other way around as you just described it is basically saying you're putting likely in, in situations where the, the entire league passes a lot. And there's not enough of a difference between 86 and 93% for us to look at the sample size and say, Oh no, the Ravens gave it away. They, you know, they, <laughs> They were only right. supposed to pass eighty six percent of the time. They passed ninety three percent of the time with likely in. It's not that. It's, it's this is a case of uh, you know they're not putting likely in in those neutral pass situations and taking advantage of the threat he poses to a defense. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Great numbers there, Dan. I'll go to my next one, which is forty one fifteen and two. The Ravens were out snapped forty one to fifteen. From the start of the Steelers' possessions at Q3, 931, through Huntley's game-sealing interception. So during that period, which ended you know, in the last, the final minute of the game, there was only time for one play left after that. It might have been 20 seconds or something left. But during those 24 minutes, um, each team had four drives. The Ravens had only two first downs on those drives. And... The sad thing about it is that, you know, they were winning the game all along of, at that point, of course, until the final minute. And one or two more first downs probably would have won the game. Uh, two, I think, because the Steelers had three timeouts, I believe, when the game ended, or, or they might have had two if they ca- called one on defense or whatever, but they had timeouts. So additional, you know, two additional first downs is not a lot to ask for out of a team in 24 minutes of football uh, to uh, to put a game away. and. I think there are people who still look at this game. They saw the way the Steelers ran on the Ravens and beg, you know, blame the defense for this loss. 
I just don't see how you do that. I think this is a case where it's very clearly on the offense. The defense uh, really did very well against Pickett in this game, and and uh, this was about the the offensive failures and the inability to adapt to what the Steelers were showing them. Yeah, you know that those numbers are 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 so extreme. It's 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 crazy, you know. And like you said, they're one of the drives was after the after the kickoff return, right? And mm-hmm. um, one one first down there completely changes things, gets a uh, gets points on the board, and completely changes the game. So uh, you're you're absolutely right. One or two sets of first downs, especially on that key drive, um, just just kind of ice the game. And uh, you know the offense just wasn't able to to hold up their end of the bargain. And, you know, and I think the defense. The defense played well, but they just uh, they just couldn't hold on to it w- with that number of at bats, you know, whatever you want to call it. You know that they just um, too many too many times that they had to go back out there with the short short possession in between um, and, and kind of go back against a really tough um, physical offense. That's the thing, also too. I think um, was it was a it was not a an, an easy matchup. It was a, a tough matchup for sure. That they had to face so um yeah i'm definitely on the on the side where the offense kind of let let the defense down on, on this one especially in the second half so is it let me ask you one more thing about this because yeah. i've been largely a, a not a proponent not an apologist that's the either of those is the wrong term and I, i'm sure he's gone at the end of this year but this is the the first time or the most extreme time at least where i felt like roman's failure to adapt during the game really, really cost the Ravens. And and I don't know if it would have worked out with Huntley. I don't know if he, he could have, uh, you know, created some first downs via the, via the passing game that would have, you know, turned this game around. It might not have. Uh, so it might have still been the personnel, but you got to try. You, you can't you can't keep running into these enormous fronts and hoping to get first downs on the ground. Uh, to, to me, this was this was one game. I, I'm normally people who talk about the play calling. You know, I I, I kind of listen, but I, I this is the game that really showed it that that this was a play calling problem. I thought I, did, I thought the, the Ravens really could not find a way to adapt. And I'd been fine with play action. I'd been fine with putting in another offensive lineman if they wanted to do that instead of a tight end. Play, you know, you, you want to play heavy? I raise you again. <laughs> you know, with Ben Cleveland as my sixth offensive lineman, I, I, it just did not work out the fact that they tried to, to continue to run the ball in the way they did. Yeah. I wonder, my only thought is that maybe they thought a kind of a conservative approach would keep the game close and that they would be able to maybe, you know, keep it close and squeak out a win versus, um, you know, play a little bit riskier and, and, kind of maybe a, a higher percent chance of scoring, but also a higher percent chance of, you know, it, it just kind of, do you want to stay close or do you want to risk a big loss or a win? You know, th- those are the kind of the options really. And, and I, they generally are on the more aggressive side where, you know, they'll go for it on fourth down and risk mm-hmm. a bigger loss in order to increase their chances of winning. But this game, they seem to, prefer to be close rather than increase their chances of winning well I, there's definitely I, I agree with you in in, in a, at least a certain sense here is that the balance of strategies tr- favor the trailing team and this is something that i don't 
think people generally understand just how valuable it is offensively, for for example, and this is just one of the things, to be able to play four down football. That that's a tremendous asset to an offense with the with completion percentages being what they are. It's very hard to get the other team off the field. So you you have to gamble to do that. And you have to gamble for penalties, for sacks, for turnovers, generally speaking, or for for slugs of incomplete passes that can get them off the field uh after they they uh, uh, you know, maybe have a short completion on on one of their four downs. It's very difficult to do that. So, uh, yeah, I I keep thinking of the way that defenses need to gamble, but that has to also apply to the offense. That offenses have to gamble to help their defenses avoid four down football situations. Anyway, yep, I I agree. And you know, they may have been leading on the scoreboard, but I never was confident yep. by leading throughout the whole second half. So, um. All right, uh, I'll, I'll do my next number is, is 67%. Well, 66.7%, two thirds, uh, was the success rate on all runs by Pittsburgh in week 17. Uh, that's a extremely high number. Um, that is tied for the fourth highest percentage by a team in 20, uh, 2022. Um, so as you had mentioned earlier, success is when you increase the expected points on, on the on the by the play so you know it's not um in in this case that's what it means so you know it's not by scoring getting 20 yards or getting a first down it's it's whatever increases the probability of scoring uh, um for the team so uh so on two-thirds of the plays on the run plays by pittsburgh they they increase the likelihood of, of scoring points so uh and that was on 39 run plays that's incredible only, only one of the other top five teams uh, this year had over 25 plays. So normally the high percentages are, you know, on lower number of plays because it's very difficult to keep that uh, probability going on for, for all 39 run plays. Um, prior to this week, prior to week 17, um, Pittsburgh had a success rate of 44.5% on runs, which is sixth best, sixth best. So they were good at, at, you know, successful runs, but the difference between 44 and 66 is, is pretty significant. So uh, they, they outperform their uh, year average by, uh, by a significant margin. And they just, um, they were able to continually stay ahead of the, the, the down and distance by these run plays. And um, you know, that, that made it very difficult uh, for the defense. I think some of it may have been um, the way the, you know, McDonald had designed the, to attack the offense, you know, the, how, how to align the defense kind of giving a bit um, on the run plays, but, um, but it was, and I I think a huge part of it was Campbell being out. So that was a, that was Mm -hmm. massive for sure. So. Yeah. Rashad Nichols actually, I thought played pretty well, but, but in general, they didn't look at that 67%. They didn't just do that. Um, in a vacuum or against an average NFL team, this is one of the best run defenses in the entire NFL. And even with Rashad Nichols playing instead of Campbell, and it's not, there's not a one for one exchange of those snaps, somewhat to urban, you know, the other players are getting them. That that shouldn't have been a, a, the kind of problem that would do this. It's a, the Ravens are broadly successful against the run and, and effective versus the run. So I, I you know, by now, you're probably noticing that there's strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is it called Liquid Death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst 
and their infinitely recyclable Tallboy cans help bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. By now, you probably know how much I love Liquid Death. Well, every week I tell you about a different way I've used Liquid Death to mess with people. This week it was taking a cooler full of Liquid Death to the softball game. Because as our team chugged down Liquid Death, our play improved while the other team drank other stuff and maybe got a little sloppy out on the field. So take Liquid Death. The other team has no clue what you're doing. Or take it to work. We've talked about that many times. Drag it around to your friends at school. Maybe the carpool lane. Maybe we'll talk about the carpool lane next week. Just take Liquid Death. Enjoy it. It's ice cold water. You're going to have a great time and fun. Go get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find Liquid Death retailers near you with your store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study. There were so many things that the Steelers did right in this game. I am a little concerned about, about blueprinting on both sides of the ball. I'm probably more concerned about the blueprinting against the Ravens offense that you can play heavy and just dare them. Um, than I am about the defense. I think the, 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 the Steelers actually came in with a lot of good scheme. They played Pony backfield a fair amount with Warren in there where he ran a lot of these jet motion plays. They were clever on one third and one play to basically get not allow the Ravens to switch up out of a nickel defense to get in a heavier, probably a base set to try and stop third and one. Instead, they kept their same personnel, ran to the line of scrimmage, ran a quarterback sneak, and got the needed yardage. Uh, you know, they did a lot of things right in this game, but they also won their blocks internally. They blocked everybody they had to in, in the middle in a very 2019 Ravens like fashion. Uh, they were, they started with combination blocks. They moved up effectively level two running styles were extremely patient. Najee Harris had his best game against the Ravens to date. I believe, um, certainly the best I can remember. And, and, and he looked like early Le'Veon Bell in terms of being a very patient runner who waited for the blocks to develop, then exploited the hole, and and uh, then used his power to uh, drag and push uh, players like Clark or Queen and others who were making tackles in level two. wasn't even a big missed tackle game for the Ravens. They had four run missed tackles in this game. Uh, honestly, it was just a case of, of outstanding scheme and outstanding blocking by the Steelers. And I think this is a case where it's not really as much about who the Ravens had on the field as it is about the Steelers. It wasn't a, a, a mismatch or a misadaptation of, of run defense. I think it was just the Steelers had an exceptionally good scheme or an exceptionally good execution during this game. Yep. Definitely tip, tip your hat to them. They, they had, had a heck of a game for sure. So. All right. My turn, right? Yep. Let's go with 144, 92, and 29.2%. So J.K. Dobbins now, leading the NFL in rushing the last four weeks, as we know, but J.K. Dobbins has run for 144 yards above replacement. That is the football outsider stat for running back effectiveness, and that's DR, as they call it. There is just YAR, yards above replacement. This is defense-adjusted yards above replacement. Um, And that's he's done that only 92 carries. So basically he's running for more than a yard and a half more than what a replacement level back should on a per carry basis, which sounds pretty good at, at least. Then you compare his other significant stat they have, which is Devoa, and we know about that for teams and whatnot. But his twenty nine point two percent Devoa is the highest of any back in the NFL, the the best back by far on a 
per carry basis in the entire league. I think 20% might be the second highest, but it's in the in the 20s or low 20s. Um, getting back to his his defensive yards above replacement or defensive adjusted yards above replacement, it's the sixth highest total. Now remember, he's only got 92 carries. The six players ahead of him have, but and it's an aggregation status, kind of like home runs, and you know you're getting a total in a, in a season. But the, the six players ahead of him have between 139 and 100 and 323 carries, so between 51 percent and 251 percent more carries than him to to achieve the same or higher uh, DR. So. Uh, incredible efficiency out of Dobbins. And what's really weird about this is he's still leaving a ton of yards on the field. The first 10 yards of every run are great. The, the, after, after that, he's really leaving a ton of yards on the field in terms of long speed. Yeah, he's been, he's been phenomenal since he, he came back the second time this season. And, and what a difference. Um, you know, there were so many plays where, he made something out of nothing this, this week, whether it was spin move in the backfield or something like that, or just a great cut. He's, he's looked great, you know, in, in being able to find the correct read and, and, uh, and make the most out of it for the first two levels. So like you said, the the third level, the, the, the top speed is not quite there, but hopefully uh, it'll get back for next season. But, um, but, you know, it's great to see, the success he's been having in the first two levels for sure. So, all right. My, uh, my next numbers are <clears throat> negative 0.61 and uh, positive 0.63. So negative 0.61 is the EPA for weeks 13 uh, through week 17 um, for the Ravens offense. So when, when basically when Lamar's been out, uh, for that time period, that, that ranks 23rd. Um, that breaks down to negative uh, 0.136 EPA on dropbacks, which is 25th, and 0.023 uh, EPA on rushes, which is 9th. So not nearly as bad on the run side, which makes sense based on what we've seen. Uh, and you compare that to the first 12 weeks with the 0.063 EPA, uh, which was 7th during that time. Uh, 0.067 EPA for drop back 16th and 0.058 EPA for rushes, which was second uh, during that time. So you're just kind of numbers supporting the obvious uh, that, uh, you know, the offense just is nowhere near what it, what it was in the beginning of this year with Lamar. And uh, you know, it's, it's impacted both the drop back passes, but also the run path or run plays just uh, haven't been as effective. Um, and uh, and it's just uh, it's just shown throughout the game on the offensive side. And, uh, you know, I don't know when it's going to happen, whether whether Lamar is going to come back this season or not. But um, but it's really something that uh, you, we've seen uh, each game, the, the, the drastic impact it's had on the offense. So. Yeah, it sure has. And if you look back the last four games, the Dobbins numbers are really pushing up those rush numbers. And he's provided a, the Ravens a lot of EPA in terms of their uh, their run the last four weeks. So the difference between Huntley, Lamar, and the threat Lamar poses uh, has been even more stark than that um, in, in terms of that difference in, in EPA we see in the rush. They were the second-best rush team in the league. Now they're the ninth-best rush team in the league. Uh, it's not Huntley who's providing that. And, right. and uh, you know, it was Jackson who was providing some of that early on. 
Um, but they're overall, the offense is, has, uh, you know, it was very, it was very good with Lamar. It was good enough that with a great defense, which I think is what they have right now, uh, they could have made a, made a playoff run and, uh, just sad as hell that it appears now this is going to die on the vine with, uh, uh, with Jackson's injury. So, uh, you know, I'm still hopeful he can come back. Um, if he, if he, uh, is not able to, I don't really see the Ravens have any chance of the playoffs. It'll be tough for sure. Yep. All right. Let's see. My turn. I got yep. one more. 2.55, 39, and 7.1. So the 2.55 is Joe Burrow's average time to throw. That's the second quickest in the NFL after Tom Brady. So we're really seeing, you know, a, a new guy here. Manning was that kind of guy too. Modest arm strength, moderate arm strength, let's call it, um, but high accuracy quarterback. Uh, and and this is unfortunately what the Ravens may be looking at for for a you know a long time now in the NFL. He's he's been sacked 39 times this season. That's a high number, but in the last seven games, they've had no no occurrence of more than two sacks and only 10 total. So it's been like I think it's been three twos and four ones during those last seven games. So uh they've certainly started protecting him. The the Lyle Collins um uh injury may help the Ravens deliver more pressure uh this week. But honestly, with the way Burrow's been getting rid of the ball very quickly and the way their offense seems to revolve now more around that, uh, I think that's less likely. 7.1 is the average intended air yards, which is not long. Um, but his completed air yards, it's, he's, he's down maybe around the 20th percentile of intended air yards. That's consistent with getting the ball out quick, lots of wide receiver screens, lots of passes to the running back out there. But his completed air yards is right in the middle of the pack at 5.7, which means he's completing a much higher percentage of his passes uh, uh, or, or completing ones that, that, that are somewhat longer. So uh, the Ravens saw a lot of wide receiver screens the last time these teams met. I'd expect to, that we'll see a lot more of that this week with Burrow trying to get rid of the ball quickly uh, versus the Ravens as they're currently put together. Uh, and I think the one guy who who could have a big game and and make this be a Ravens advantage would be Patrick Queen. He's one of the few guys the Ravens has who creates quick pressures. Um, you know, they don't really have any big one-on-one winners. Houston would probably be the best of those, but he's not a real fast win guy the guy who can who can win fast is uh is queen you know blitzing from the second level uh hamilton also maybe to to a to a lesser degree but they, if they're going to get anything going with with a pass rush those two i think certainly have to be at the heart of it yeah absolutely and uh you know that that ball out quick and the the wide receiver screen game is is so dangerous with their weapons that they have with the Mm-hmm. Um, the yards after completion that weapons that they have, they're just, um, uh, they're so dangerous, you know, once, once they get, um, past, past the first, you know, first defender. So, um, it's going to be a ma- tough matchup for, for the, um, defensive backs for sure. And, um, uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to be one of the, the good things I, I think a lot of the DBs are, are very physical. So I think, you know, mm-hmm. that is a, a, one of the good areas for wide receiver screens that, that they match up well against, I think. Um, but, uh, but I, I do think it'll be interesting to see if they can get some, some pressure and some negative plays from Burrow for sure. So, yeah, it's, I, I, you know, honestly, it's a great point about the, the DBs being physical is, is regardless, usually your wide receiver screen comes on the same side where you have your slot receiver, right? 
Mm-hmm. It could it could be a split tight end or it could be whatever. But Hamilton is going to be likely on that side right there. I like the matchup already. Then you've then you've got a another uh, uh, corner out there, and it'll be either Stevens or or uh, Humphrey, both who meet the physicality definition. Uh, Humphrey yep. maybe even more so, but I but Stevens' physicality I've liked. Uh, not the greatest tackler, but but he's I liked his physicality. And then behind them, you have Chuck Clark, who's very physical, and you have Marcus Williams, who I thought had an extremely physical game against Pittsburgh in terms of coming downhill. So uh, y- y- we should be able to win those matchups on the outside. Uh, uh, it doesn't always work out that way, but when you have the one additional player and it, and you you end up with a one guy has to tackle the remaining one guy if there if there are two successful blocks, you you should uh, you should have a good chance to do that with the Ravens secondary. Yep, decent matchup for sure. So, all right, my last set of numbers is 65%, 0.08, 85%, and 100%. Uh, Pittsburgh ran 11 personnel on 65% of the snaps this last week, which was a little lower than their season average for both uh, the team and for uh, when Pickett was the quarterback, which we had talked about uh, last week. Uh, But I thought the defense played pretty well against the uh, 11 personnel. They... Uh, held them to 0.08 EPA per play, which is uh, a decent number. Um, so, you know, I, I think, especially considering Marcus Peters was out, I, th- I think they, they performed well against that personnel group that was a little bit concerning going into this last week. And it's going to play out again big this week. Um, for the season, Cincinnati has run 11 personnel on 85% of the snaps. And week five, they ran 11 personnel on 100% of the snaps against the Ravens. So uh, so we're going to see 11 personnel a lot again this week. And um, I think Peters has been limited both these first two two day, uh, practices this week. So uh, TBD, whether he'll be back. Um, but uh, I think it'll be uh, another challenge for the defensive backs to, um, to just see what they got against this tough matchup. Let's let's talk about this just a, just for a second. First of all, do you think the NFL is going to inform the teams of the plan prior to the Saturday games? My well, guess is yes. Yep. Okay, that would be my guess too. I think it's only fair. If that's the case, what would you? And you're managing the Ravens roster. How would you? How would you handle activations for this game or playing time? Uh, my guess is that. They won't have a chance for the AFC North going into the game. Um, and the only difference would be the, what is it? The five seed versus a six mm-hmm. seed relying on uh, Denver. Chargers. Beating, yeah. Denver beating Chargers, which I'm not betting. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I would, I, so it's likely that they face the Bengals again the next week. So I'm, I'm st- getting healthy for the next week i'm letting uh younger guys play i'm i'm not pulling out the stops and uh and showing any sort of trick plays or anything like that i'm uh you know keeping it kind of simple and and letting the young guys play and um and not being too aggressive i don't think so good fail forward opportunity for ajabo and kolar to see 20 25 snaps each i think so i think so Mm -hmm. i even with uh huntley um limited i think both game both practices i wouldn't even um i, I would maybe even put in uh what is in brown right that's his anthony name. brown um, yeah. yeah uh see what he's got so um you know that's that's another option so we'll see we'll see if, if that plays out so 
Yeah, I, I'd be all for that. And I think that's a that's a very big test drive on next year's uh backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh but Brown, you know, certainly showed things in the preseason in terms of having a strong arm down the field. And boy, if they're gonna face Jumbo at any time again this year, you know, wherever it might be in the playoffs. Imagine if they placed Tennessee in the playoffs again, what what Tennessee would do. They'd be licking their lips seeing this film against <laughs> against the Steelers and what happened. So anyway, uh, outstanding stuff. Uh, always love talking football with you, Dan. Tell tell people where they can find your stuff online. Yeah, reach out on Twitter, uh, DP Reese, and then the number eight. Uh, happy to talk Ravens or anything NFL. All right. Outstanding. Dan, love doing this show with you. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to to uh, do a film study short, hit me up on Twitter. DMs are always open. And if you like this particular pod, please show this to some other people. We'd love to get a, this in a little bit broader circulation, but maybe that tech guy or the, the guy who's really into the numbers of football a little bit more wants to understand maybe how they impact the game. Show him how to log on to this at work. He's probably about 50 years old anyway and doesn't doesn't turn on it doesn't know how to download a podcast uh and and he would really uh appreciate you just showing him how to hit the play button on the filmstudybaltimore.com website but uh thank you for listening in particular thanks for all your loyalty this year dan and i'll be back for at least one more episode i guess maybe a couple more episodes because we're we're, we're gonna have a couple we're gonna have at least one playoff game yep hoping but, uh, for a lot more <laughs> <laughs> there you go and dan uh we'll talk to you next week and i'll talk to you next time on film study this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.